Hello, my groovy friends. Today, we're going to be exploring the world of psychedelics. You may have seen my video dedicated solely to LSD, but there's more to psychedelics than just that drug. Today, we're gonna to be looking at all of the other ones. We're gonna be looking at everything from peyote to molly in today's Lawyer Up. Hey there, I'm Joshua Roberts, attorney at law, and you are watching Lawyer Up. Today, we're gonna to take a look at the history of psychedelics. We're first gonna look at those naturally occurring psychedelics, the ones you find in nature, uh, like peyote, shrooms, ayahuasca, and marijuana. Uh, then we're gonna change gears and we're gonna look at those that are synthesized or created by man in a lab. And that includes your LSD, your PCP, your MDMAs, which they call ecstasy or molly these days. We're gonna look at all of those in today's episode. So if you enjoy the infotainment in this video, hit that like button. If you got something to say, comment below. If you wanna learn more about this or other legal topics, then subscribe to the channel. And as always, I love it when you share me on social media. So when we're talking about the history of psychedelics, you start with the word psychedelic. It's actually a combination of two Greek words, which mean to reveal the soul or the mind. And so psychedelic drugs are simply drugs that have a hallucinogenic effect on the mind. And a hallucination is simply the experience involving an apparent perception of something that really isn't there. So when we're talking about psychedelics, we're talking about people who are seeing things and they are hearing things that really aren't happening. Now science can't explain how psychedelic drugs work. But we know that these psychedelic chemicals, they activate serotonin receptors that modulate our sensory perception of what's going on around us. The effects vary greatly depending upon the psychedelic. You can have a mild psychedelic, which is shrooms uh, or THC marijuana. Some people don't even consider uh, pot to be a psychedelic drug. Uh, to the other extreme, which is LSD, where there are a great deal of hallucinogenic effects. Some of the common sensory experiences are the warping of surfaces where ceilings and walls are moving or acting like they're breathing. You see the repetition of geometric shapes, which is called kaleidoscoping. There are uh, unique color perceptions where colors can flip-flop where the sky appears green and the grass looks blue or people see colors they've never ever even seen before. And these things have been around forever. When we're talking about the history of psychedelics, archaeologists have found proof uh, that these things have been around for at least 5,700 years. They note that these naturally occurring psychedelics have been used in religious ceremonies, uh, they've been used medicinally in uh, pain relief, and they've also been used for people in preparing for battle. When we talk about the synthetic psychedelics, they have a much shorter history, uh, but they've made a significant impact, as you will learn in this video. So let's talk about the psychedelic drugs that occur naturally. Now we're going to talk about the alkaloid or the active component. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is mescaline. And that is the psychedelic compound that is found in a lot of 
cacti uh, in South America, Central America, Mexico, and in the Southwest of the United States. Now, chief among these is peyote. And we know that usage of peyote by Native Americans in Mexico and uh, Central America dates back thousands of years. Now, when I say peyote is a cactus, it's not like a big, tall cactus like you think about when you say cactus. Peyote is actually a very small uh, cactus that grows right above the ground. In fact, the crown of the peyote is about the size of, say, my fist. And it looks just like maybe a small gourd or maybe a tiny gray little pumpkin that grows right along the ground. Uh, now, when you harvest the peyote crown, which is what it's called, you cut that off level with the ground. There is a root that comes with the peyote, but that stays in the ground. And if you don't damage the root and you uh, cover it with soil, it will actually regenerate another peyote crown. Now, once you have the peyote crown, you slice it very thinly. Uh, what comes off are called buttons. They look kind of like little green pickles. And most people take these buttons and they dry them. Uh, after that, you can chew them. You can put them in a drink. Some people will grind them up and then do all sorts of things with them. You can smoke them or snort them or or whatever you want to do with them at that point. Now, most people have heard of peyote and they associate it with Native Americans, uh, but it has been declared illegal in the United States federally since 1970, although many states will still allow the use of peyote uh, for specified religious uh, services or activities. The next alkaloid we're going to talk about is psilocybin, and that is the active ingredients that you find in shrooms. Now, while there are over 200 species of shrooms or magic mushrooms that contain psilocybin, there's only about three that contain enough of the product or enough of the compound to give people a significant uh, physiological effect from the psychedelic drug. Now, the oldest known usage of shrooms is in what is today uh, called Spain. And in that area, there are paintings on rock walls and there are murals depicting the use of shrooms in religious ceremonies at the time. Today, uh, these mushrooms, they're found on all of the continents, uh, primarily in what they call subtropical or humid forests. And interestingly, psilocybin was actually first isolated uh, in a laboratory uh, by a man named Albert Hoffman. He's also the guy we're going to talk about here in a minute that invented LSD. So this guy, you know, knows how to party. But anyway, the lab that he was working for in Switzerland isolated the psilocybin and actually marketed it and they sold it as a therapeutic drug for many years uh, in the 60s. And psilocybin was used uh, medicinally in various parts of the world and in the United States until 1970 when they had the Controlled Substances Act, which federally uh, made psilocybin an illegal alkaloid uh, for both uh, recreational and medicinal purposes. Interestingly, although uh, people still use psilocybin uh, recreationally uh, and it's illegal, the medical community considers the toxicity of shrooms to be very low in fact, on their chart of all types of drugs, uh, shrooms is the lowest level of toxicity. Uh, they uh, look at uh, the likelihood of dependence as well as what they call an active versus a lethal dosage when they develop this chart of toxicity. For example, heroin is at the top. That's one of the bad boys. At the very, very bottom, we find psilocybin. It's considered less toxic than marijuana uh, and much less toxic than actually nicotine 
and even caffeine. Now switching gears, we're going to move to the most potent naturally occurring psychedelic, and that's dimethyltryptamine, DMT. This is considered the most potent naturally occurring hallucinogen, and it's found in plants that grow in the Amazon forest in South America. It is traditionally extracted and put into a drink that they call ayahuasca. Now it for a little while gained some popularity in Europe and in North America, but that has kind of died out. It is still wildly popular in South America where ayahuasca is a very largely consumed drink. And last but not least, when we're talking about psychedelics, some people put THC or marijuana into that category. Now we're not going to spend any time on that drug here. If you want to know all about the history of marijuana, check out that video on this channel of Lawyer Up. Now when we talk about the history of synthesized drugs, synthesized psychedelics, and these are psychedelic drugs that a man made in a lab, you have to start with the king. That's lysergic acid diethylamide, uh, LSD. The kids call it acid on the streets, and we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. There is also phencyclidine, and that is PCP or angel dust. And a lot of people compare LSD uh, and PCP. Uh, although they're different uh, psychedelics, PCP has generally been associated with more types of violent activities and criminal activity than LSD. So uh, with PCP, there is some sort of a stimulant uh, that creates um, an aggression and a criminal activity. So it's often uh, distanced from people who consume or used LSD. We also have ketamine, but that's not used very often by humans. It is a sedative that's used in veterinary medicine. Although several years ago, I did represent a vet who took some and ultimately he got a DWI associated with ketamine intoxication. It's a little strange, but you can be intoxicated by I guess about anything. And last but not least, we have methylene dioxymethamphetamine, MDMA. Uh, also known as ecstasy and or molly. And we'll be talking about the differences between those two here in just a minute. But the history of synthetic psychedelics has to start with LSD and Albert Hoffman. Uh, he was a chemist working in a Swiss lab for Sandoz Pharmaceuticals. And he was working on actually a drug to help uh, respiratory infections when he developed LSD. Now it was actually developed in 1938, uh, but it wasn't until 1943 that he revisited his LSD project. And in fact, when he was working with it, he got a little bit on his fingertips and he had an immediate physiological reaction to touching the substance. In fact, he journaled the experience that day and he wrote, it was a not unpleasant intoxicated condition characterized by a stimulated imagination. Well, obviously this experience piqued his interest because three days later, he decided he was going to intentionally ingest a, what he thought would be a therapeutic dose. Now he had calculated that the minimal amount he would need to take to feel any type of an intoxicating effect would be 0.25 milligrams. Now, as we sit here today, we know that a therapeutic dose is 0.02 milligrams. So when he took 0.25 milligrams that day, he was taking 10 times the minimal dosage. And within moments, Al knew it. He started to feel crazy and he knew he had to get home. 
Fortunately, he lived close enough that he had ridden his bicycle that day. So he hops on his bike and he starts heading across town. And again, he journaled his experience. This is what he wrote. He said he saw an uninterrupted stream of fantastic pictures, extraordinarily shaped with a kaleidoscopic play of colors. Now, when he got home, he detailed that he went inside, uh, that his body started to separate from itself, and all kinds of other crazy things happened. And if you want to know more about Al Hoffman's first LSD experience, you can get the whole story on this channel in my video entitled The History of LSD. So, on April 19th of 1943, the world had its first acid trip, a courtesy of Al Hoffman. And to this day, April 19th is still celebrated annually as Bicycle Day, or the world's first day on acid. From that research that was done by uh, Al Hoffman, research began to happen all over the world on the medicinal uses of LSD. It had begun to be used in clinical trials for PTSD, anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia, and somewhat successfully. And this was in the 50s. And somewhere, at some point in time, as drugs often do, that are first prescribed, they somehow jump out of the laboratories and they jump out of the medicinal or the clinical settings into uh, mainstream society where they're used uh, recreationally. Well, this of course happened with LSD as well. In fact, in the early 60s, a Timothy Leary, who was a disgraced Harvard psychologist, basically became the poster child for LSD and went on an LSD crusade. And the drug was popularized and ultimately taken up by the counterculture and the anti-government movement known as the hippies, right? The hippies love their LSD. So between 1963 and 1970, LSD exploded in its usage in the United States and really became the drug of choice for an entire generation of people. Now, of course, as with other drugs, 1970 comes the Controlled Substances Act. Uh, it was passed by Congress, it was signed by President Nixon, and it made LSD illegal for both medicinal and for recreational purposes. And after 1970, LSD had a very rapid decline in the United States because obviously the legitimate pharmaceutical labs, well, they quit making it because there was no legitimate market for the product. And unlike some other drugs, LSD is extremely difficult to make outside of a formal lab setting. It's not something that most people that don't have a chemistry degree and a lot of equipment can even make. Uh, so there really are no home LSD labs. And because it was so hard to make, after 1970, it really saw a significant decline. Interestingly, the next generation saw an increase in their drug of choice, and that was cocaine. Now, cocaine's not a psychedelic, but if you want to know more about the history of cocaine, you can check out that video on this channel of Lawyer Up. But while cocaine was being popularized, the replacement psychedelic was being developed. And that is methylene dioxymethamphetamine, or MDMA, which was originally called ecstasy, and the kids today call Molly, or in the UK they call it Mandy. It's got a different name. Now most of you have heard of straight methamphetamine. Uh, that is not a psychedelic, but MDMA is a psychedelic drug that was originally developed to treat extreme anxiety. But as I mentioned, uh, it jumped the laboratories and became a recreational drug of choice uh, for a lot of the people out there today. 
Now, when you say ecstasy, a large category of drugs fall under that umbrella. We're talking about MDMA, MDA, MDE, MDEA, MDX, and there's lots of other mixtures that mix this original MDMA product with a lot of other things. It's cut with all sorts of different stuff. In fact, there became such a diverse chemical makeup of what anybody would call ecstasy that there began a demand for the original product, the original pure MDMA product, and that was a la Molly. Now, a lot of people said, well, Molly's just a newer version of ecstasy, but it isn't. It's just a return to the original pure form of MDMA. So today, when people talk about ecstasy, they're generally talking about MDMA or some form of it in a pill form. And they come in all shapes and sizes and colors with all kinds of goofy things on them. But when they're talking about Molly, they're generally talking about MDMA in a powdered form. Uh, just a general product of powder consistency. And one of the odd things about MDMA is that while it's considered a psychedelic, it has less of a visual effect on people and more of an auditory experience, uh, which is one of the reasons why it's so popular in these rave clubs. People will take the MDMA drug and then go to these clubs uh, because it's such a bizarre auditory experience for these individuals. Now, MDMA comes with a weird side effect of teeth clenching, uh, which is why you saw a lot of people that had uh, pacifiers in their mouths. Uh, old people like me were like, well, that's, that's nice, that's a weird little fad, uh, but actually it served a legitimate purpose of kind of dealing with the teeth clenching and the teeth grinding side effect that comes along with consumption of MDMA. Now we come to the new kids on the block, and most people haven't even heard of the brand newest psychedelics. Uh, these are simply synthetic versions of other types of uh, psychedelics that occur naturally. Uh, an example in a different realm would kind of be, you know, K2, which is the synthetic version of THC or marijuana. So like marijuana has its K2, uh, mescaline or peyote has its 2CB and psilocybin or shrooms has its 2CI. Now these synthetic drugs are not very popular at the moment, but if they explode in popularity like some of the other drugs have, you can bet there'll be an episode of Lawyer Up dedicated to the infotainment that surrounds these new synthetic products. So that's it, that's the history of psychedelics. We have talked about the naturally occurring psychedelics. We've talked about peyote, shrooms, ayahuasca, and THC. We've also talked about the synthetic versions. We talked about LSD and PCP a little bit. We talked about ketamine with its veterinary uh, applications. And we talked about MDMA, uh, ecstasy, molly, and some of the new kids on the block. If you enjoyed the episode, hit that like button. If you got something to say to me, you got a question, you have a uh, proposal for an upcoming Lawyer Up, put it in the comments below. If you would like more information like this, then subscribe to my channel. And as always, share me on social media. I'm Joshua Roberts, attorney at law, and you've been watching Lawyer Up. Send lawyers, guns, and money. Dad, get me out of this.